Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's Wealth Building Wednesday. Yo, Maddie A. Ryan Breedwell. Coming in. It was cold yesterday. It was, well, it was like humid. It was 80. I can't, I was talking to Marie. 80. I can't remember. It was 81 yesterday. Oh, it wasn't 81 in my house. It was 81. It was like 66. Well, that's how you rich folks who live up on the top oh, yeah, of the hill, hill. you're a little, little higher up in the elevation. Whew. It was raining here. I can't remember the last time it's rained it in was June. pouring. That's it was, not- But my lawn and my plants loved it. No, I'm sure they did. I loved it my too. Kids I turned it. off we, all my irrigation. We danced like, in the rain every so every weekend at the end of the weekend. We always do kind of like you know Marie and I do our relationship recharge yep. where we ask three questions. You know, because I'm usually always assuming that I'm crushing it, but uh, the relationship recharge is a great way for us to just kind of always get back on the same page, get that feedback from each other. What did I do well this week? What could I have done better? What do you have coming up this week that I can support you in? And it's always just a good way to kind of get that clarity from the horse's mouth of where I'm doing well, where I could improve, and what she's got going on this week that I can help her in. And then I started doing it with the kids and basically what they wish they would have done more or what we would have done more of was uh, play out in the rain yesterday. Oh, I was like, well, that I can't necessarily control with Mother Nature, but we did have some fun out in the rain. So that was that was fun. Um, we got a great show for you guys today. Updates on the market, as always, crypto and real estate. I thought it was funny this uh, week. I don't, I don't follow it, but Marie's been following it on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I was a little like, "What?" And then it's that take a half a second to register. You knew yeah. what was, and I just thought it was a funny little meme. Uh, Johnny Depp, the first man to ever win an argument formally against a woman it dude he that is the definition of uh why you you don't go against somebody in the legal system in america that has far more money than you because ultimately a lot of people aren't even talking about it he lost one of the defamation cases she countersued against him they just presented so well on their side. Zero, he had zero monetary fines against. They just reduced some of the uh, money that he was owed by Amber Heard. But man, that was a class act. I could not believe. And then, had, did you see like Amber Heard's? I think it was one of her lead attorneys. The woman went on some sports thing or newscast and was like, "Oh, I fought hard and all this." And he was like, "You know." I was a professional sports player, and instead of you know to the effect deflecting 
normally it's better if you just take responsibility and look in the mirror. And he said that straight to her. And kind of all the other hosts were like, oh, boy. And she was like, we got super flush red. I just thought it was crazy of how this became such a like spectator event. They were broadcasting everything possible about this trial. Because and they yet, knew it would make money. Any, and yet I we, tell people we, just not, we, don't believe the media. And, and yet we couldn't get a freaking report Jeffrey Epstein. out of the Glenn Maxwell trial. Yeah. Like there was something obviously uh, a little ass backwards there. Yeah. But Most of the people that were interested in that kind of stuff are the people that we wouldn't, you know, minus Marie, obviously. Love you, Marie. <laughs> um, most of the people are kind of not the, those people are like caught up and just, you know, bullshit watching extra and yeah. all the other BS stuff. So I'm, I was, I'm glad to see that it's over. I was like, man, I keep seeing this. This is going to go on forever. But you know, they did that with the OJ Simpson trial and it's so weird how we as human beings, what we get, you know, attached to thinking we have some level of ownership or how this serves our life. Marie asked me the other day to watch an episode of the Kardashians with her. And I was just like, I love you, but I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't want to watch this because I got so much going on as it is. Like, let's go do something that you and I can go have some fun together. So we actually went over to Moxa and drank a bunch of beer together and it was great. Yeah. I was going to say that's way better than the It was awesome. We had a great time, got a little date in, but we, are definitely going to be having some mega pints this weekend over at your birthday party. Mega pints. Yep. On or mega tequila, margs and tacos and shots. I, I and, figured since we're having tacos, might as, well, might as well have a little marg or two. Oh. Yeah. Big old the final days of the early years of my life are slowly Damn. Fading 30 away. years old. How does that feel? Same as 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 29. Really? Yeah. Dude, I, I mean, I remember my 21st birthday and I was getting blacked out in Santa Barbara. I don't remember. What did I do for my 21st birthday? And my 30th birthday, actually, I did black out as well. Marie threw me a fat uh, 1920s themed think- party. So I guess they were relatively similar, but I feel like my, I was with my mom. Mom. I honestly don't know. I think my mom, me, my mom, some of my friends, she, she was like, I'll, I'll drive you. And she, she, That's a good mom. Yeah, and we went to like Tahoe or something. How about your wealth? What is What has changed in terms of your mindset around your wealth and money from your 20s to how you look at wealth going into your 30s? Well, in my early 20s, I did not have any wealth, especially the wealth that I have today. And I wanted it. And so I started working really hard for it. It took a couple of years until, you know, things, I think about three, four So what did that look like? Did it look like a lot of saving? Did it look like a lot um, of investing? It looked like both? It I didn't like- have a lot of money to invest up front, but it was a lot of, a lot of constant, like every single day marketing myself, going and meeting new people. Um, and then when I... What I had to do is when I had that income, then I had to start saving the majority of it and living pretty tight. Um, I was living in Natomas, renting a room in this like shit house with one, two, three, three other guys. And one of the guys had like a kid that lived there. It was a weird situation because the kids' room was next to my room. So it was an odd situation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Trust me. It was, but it's all I could afford. It was like 500 bucks all in. So I could afford that. And then after that, I moved and I knew somebody that was living uh, near downtown. And he let me live in his place, $900 all in. And, and that was like really 700 bucks plus bills. So I was like, shoot, that's pretty good. So that, that allowed me to be downtown and kind of, Mm-hmm. spread my wings more and then um just went from there but it was constantly just in you know not being deterred by wanting to do something you know i saw lots of people doing really well faster than i was doing it with luck and stuff like that um but just sticking to my guns investing investing in good stuff um 
doing good business, getting referrals, and then everything led to where it is now. But it's it's like a lot, a huge swing. What did you start investing in first when you had some disposable income? I opened a Vanguard account. Why Vanguard? I don't know. That was just the first thing that came to mind. I opened a Vanguard account and I put 100% of my money in the S&P 500 like a real boss. And uh, after I did that for about a year and a half, then I moved everything over to um, TD Ameritrade, which is where I keep my clients' money now, TD Ameritrade Institutional, and I do that for myself as well. And started going from there. And then I had my life insurance going. I had my investments going. I had... Didn't have any real estate. I was kind of didn't have enough money, really. And then 2019 is when I started getting all my real estate magically before you know the market was doing good, but it wasn't doing as good. And then in 2020, I bought uh, my little uh, cabin uh, up in Truckee. God dang, I'm been flyaways in my eye all morning. Um, but really, what it was is just consistency. And then in my business. My business is a lot of residual income. So that was beneficial in the fact that the more that I did, I got more and more and more and more and more and more residual income. And then that made it less time that I had to like focus on revenue generating activities and I can go invest in my relationships, which then lead to revenue generating activities, Mm -hmm. generally bigger revenue generating activities because you're investing in relationships. So that's pretty much how everything worked. Um, now, you know, here we are today. The firm's multi-billion dollars under management. Uh, we're growing at a really good, not breakneck pace, but good pace. We have a really good tech stack. I have a good offering for my clients. One of the be- top insurance producers in the United States. All, you know, everything's consistent. Everything's going the way that it's supposed to go, all just by doing the right thing. I mean, it was just consistently doing the right thing and doing it when it was hard and doing it when it was easy. It's almost harder to do when it was easy. Mm. It's, you know, like it's hard because you then you want to, when things are going good, you want to do things that are off your trajectory. You know, when things are going bad, it's almost like, okay, I can focus up. You know, stock market's down, I need to buy. Man, when things are going good, you're making lots of money. Oh, maybe I want to be a little bit. Maybe I want to go do this extra thing. Maybe I want to do this. You have to be prudent not to do it. It's hard. A lot of my friends did a lot of stuff earlier on than me. And now they're working nine to fives and I'm I'm hitting first class flights all over the world, getting paid while I fly. So that's the you know, you have to choose what you want to do. Do you want to do you want to sit down now and work hard or do you want to you know, live paycheck to paycheck and fuck around and, and see what that gets you and hope hope for the best. Hope, you know, go and sell your time at the same rate of return for 25 years and hope that hopefully your 401k hits a million. That's not the life that I wanted. That's where you and I think are very similar is this kind of diligence on being very persistent, but also having this patient mindset. We're impatient. Yeah. But at the same time... You know, as I see more and more people, so only so many people have these lightning in a bottle moments, but those are the people that everybody ultimately compare themselves to. Their work in progress gets compared to someone else's highlight reel or their lightning in a bottle moment. The reality of the situation is most people don't ever have a lightning in a bottle moment. Yeah. You, You just have to be like diligent and persistent and patient and over and over and over and over and over again. Then over an extended period of time, you know, when that eighth wonder of the world kicks in and starts compounding and gets real sexy, all of a sudden people look at you who have no idea who you are. But now that you have a little bit of a platform or you've got some wealth or you've got some accolades or whatever it may be, because you've done those diligent things over an extended period of time, then they go, oh, he must have had that lightning in a bottle moment when they don't really realize just the consistency and the stamina and the grit that came with that journey, right? It just comes down to, I mean, it's very simple as this. If you you want to even look at a more elementary way to think of it, a 10% return on $20,000 is $2,000. A 10% return on a million dollars is 100000 
both people can make 10% and one person can make a lot more money. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's compounded. And that's in my world specifically like, you know, stock market stuff, right? But that's what you have to do. It's people, unfortunately, social media has tricked people into thinking that it's easy to get wealthy because everybody does it. That's not a, a positive thing. The, the uh, law of large numbers says that the bigger your pool gets, the more likely it is to pick out the winners in that pool, but the less likely it is the person going into that pool is to win. That's law of large numbers. If you want to Google that, go ahead and do it. I recommend DuckDuckGoing it. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not... People overcomplicate it. I mean, they really do. Matt decided he wanted to do real estate and stuck to it and, and, and got a mentor, which is pretty much what you have to do in real estate. I had a mentor in my father and I took over his company, but I stuck to it in my, my neck of the woods. Every, you know, a common thing that people would say to me that I even told you is, oh yeah, you got daddy's money and this and all that. And you know, and I've even said it on the podcast for, my dad didn't give me jack shit, but a title. He will tell you straight to your face. If you said that, and he heard you, he would say, you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Earned, not given. Earned, right? yeah, for sure earned. And you have to, because my dad knew if he would just gave it to me, I would, what am I going to... I know so many people that have been given something and they squander it away, away right yeah. away. Exactly. You know? But he made me earn. He made me earn where I'm at. He was paying other people, other agents that had a, you know, in his firm that had a lower tier than me were getting paid higher than I was. So just... You know, again, that's behind the curtain. Sometimes people have the Wizard of Oz moment where they see the little right. nerdy guy back there, but that wasn't that wasn't the case with me. Yeah, and um, it was just it's hard work, and I have not and I have nothing sexy. That's why I tell everybody it's not sexy. It's it's oh yeah, you know, I'm buying this and I'm doing that. Oh, you're not doing tax yield investing? Nope. I don't fucking need to do that. Oh, you're not buying non-performing. You're not going to go look out for a portfolio of non-performing notes. No ATM funds. Nope. Don't need it. Like I don't need that stuff. The only reason that stuff exists is because the person that's marketing it is making a lot of money off of you. Yeah. I just. It I, is one of those things, right? Where when they say, and it sounds cliche, success is simple, not easy. Like people way overcomplicate this stuff. Yes, a lot of they've time, never right? been well. They've never been successful, so they think it's way harder than it is. That's the whole thing. When you go meet super, like go meet balling ass people, they will be in plain ass clothes. It's like the more wealthy they get, the more simple they get, because they've realized by keeping it simple, shit just t tends to work. I, mean, I can think of. Um, uh, like, you know, me and you both know Brian. Mm -hmm. Dude wears Under Armour basketball shorts and Under Armour t-shirts most of the time. Billy boy. And has a net worth north of a billion dollars. Why? Why? He simply does not care to focus on the things that don't matter. Things that complicate his life. Things that do things way too much and i what i've what i kind of took away from like that or even like jared we both know jared mm -hmm. jared's even a pretty simple person yeah he looks nice but like jared is a really simple person that we both know as well successful people tend to have already figured out that the recipe is totally simple almost like home cooking yeah it's nothing crazy but it's so good well i think too like in my 20s that was a big lesson i learned right was trying a bunch of things and on the outside it looked cool and sexy and like, oh, you're touching all this different stuff. Only one or two of them were really like successful to the level that I was like, that to me equals success. And part of, I think, learning those things is you kind of have to go through some of those experiences yourself to realize like, oh, this ain't all I cracked up to be or me spreading myself across five different lanes instead of finding a fast lane, I'm not going to get to where I want to go as, as fast as I want to get there, right? And so I think for a lot of people, it's a good metaphor for life, for business. I mean, I was just on, you know, I'm buying the fourth hotel up in Tahoe right now. Mm -hmm. And so I had a call with, um, you know, we're going through our- This is the big, big one. This is the biggest one I've ever bought. Yeah, the one that we talked about maybe two, three months ago that was like, you're like, this may be XYZ number. And I was like, 
Well, I've been working on this one for almost like 12 months. Yeah, it's, right you next got door the, to one of my other hotels. You kind of got a num. The numbers. Uh, yeah, it'll more than double my portfolio. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're the other three the hotels. Yeah. This fourth one will double the portfolio. Be careful. Um, so it's a larger Sigma one. And of course, five. not counting the, you know, the chickens until they're fully hatched. With that being said, you know, I was on this due diligence call with the seller. And this guy has kind of like set the bar for occupancy and ADR in terms of like high occupancy numbers and also average daily rate. And so he's kind of cracked this code. I'm like, dude, this dude's over 80 something percent in a really good, years old, good hotel. And I've, you know, across all three, the, if you're doing over 65% percent occupancy in a hotel world, like you're doing a good job. That's, that's relatively good. 50%. This guy's doing good. over the last nine years, 82% average. So he's filling eight out of 10 rooms a night, 365 days a year. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I want to learn something from this dude because he's doing something. I'm thinking he's got all these crazy ass marketing strategies and he's got these yield management and revenue strategies and all this crazy stuff. So I get on the call with him on Friday and I was absolutely blown away and shocked by how simple his business is. And all he does is focus on one thing in his business and everything else is simple and boring, and it's not that sexy, and it's not all the things that I thought we needed to do in order to get those results. And he's like, no, I just focus on this one thing. I do that every day. Everybody else runs the hotel, but that's my thing. That's all I do. That's all we focus on. That is the one skill in yield management, and that's our strategy, and this is how we get to that number every single year. And I was just like, I was like almost disappointed. I was like, but I want more. Like, tell me there's some other magic serum and pill and, you know, strategy. And I think that's what people want in terms of success in business or in their finances or products, whatever it may be. But it comes back to like simplicity and just doing that one thing so fucking well over and over and over and over and over again, that mastery level, right? That 10,000 hours of, you know, mastery that Malcolm Gladwell talks about, that time on task that, you know, one of my mentors, David, always says like, repetition is the mother of all success. And if you can make that repetition as simple as possible and do that over and over and over again and let the compound effect work in your favor, all you need to do is just give that thing time to cook. Yep. And that's what wealth ultimately equates back to as well. When you Agreed. look at, we were talking about this this morning of like, who are your favorite, you know, investors and who are the, your favorite people? And it's like, you know, all the people that you listed off in terms of groups or, or investors or influencers in the space, you know, people think they have like this insane, you know, strategy or, you know, magic, you know, formula, but ultimately it's just, they, they found one thing that they're really good at in terms of their investment strategy or vehicle. And they just stayed in that vein and they mined in that vein and they just did it over and over and over again, better than the average person could do because everybody gets distracted. They don't have the discipline. They don't put in the time and therefore they don't get those results. Agreed. Or they are under the impression that they can do the right thing the wrong way. Mm. Like they can, hey, I can invest, but I need to invest and get, you know, XYZ rate of return immediately. Or I'm going to invest and only good things are going to happen to me when I invest. I'm never going to have any negative uh, experiences. I think those are um, big fallacies as well where people will say, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to invest and I, I'm... I'm expecting never to lose money. That's the most common mindset that I think I run into is, well, hey, you know, we started investing like, you know, for people maybe that started investing last year, hey, yeah, you know, we're down 20%. Yeah, you said you wanted, you wanted a hyper, you wanted a very good, you wanted a large cap growth focus. That's kind of the risk that we're taking. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Well, I think that if I go back to our notes, I'm pretty sure I told you that the drawdown was like 30%. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that we could actually lose that money. I thought that's just like hypothetical. It was hypothetical then. Yeah, <laughs> it is it's a reality real. now. Uh, so it's 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 just it's a learning curve. But I think that uh, the other thing is people are, have been lulled for the past twenty four months by by so called experts. Um, you see it in the real estate world. 
where people were selling courses on that. I've seen that pretty much go away. Um, you saw a lot of people for day trading and high. That's pretty much gone away, as I said it would. You saw people getting into real estate to tell you how to flip houses or give them deals. I haven't seen any of that shit. Nobody's, I don't see any stories about giving deals anymore. It's so funny. I don't either. Um, and then now, all, from all the people that I knew that it would stop from, all the, all the people that were like, you know what? I did 10 deals. I'm going to start my own brokerage. Do you know, the, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I did 10 deals. I'm going to... I'm 26 years old and I'm going to hire a bunch of 22 year olds and we're going to have a brokerage. I know people that were selling coaching and courses. Their life was a complete train wreck. I know people that are trying to teach you on personal finance and they're in $80,000 worth of debt. I know people that like, that's where trust, but verify. I know people that try to sell products and say they work one way and then come to me and use that product through me. There's all sorts of fun stuff that yeah. exists in this world. Um, you have to just be careful. The thing I will tell you is out of any uh, finance or business podcast that exists on iTunes, I would not say anything ill on anyone, but I will tell you, we are probably going to keep it the realest out of anybody because we're not st- Steered by any sponsor. We don't have any. It's literally just Matt and I talking in the morning. And half the time we I send Matt a few articles. He we talk about stuff and then it's it's literally we hit record, we hit stop, and we upload so you guys can hear what we thought. Um you should be careful for uh like they're called podcasts, but they're really just rolling infomercials. Mm-hmm. Um if they talk about one thing and one thing only, we talk about building wealth. Um, but you can hear me, you know, I feel like with our listeners, at least I have a relationship with you guys to a degree. Some of you and a lot of you are clients. We talk all the time. Sometimes I talk, I shout you out on the, we have a different relationship. This is almost like a, a forum that we all come and share together. Well, I think that's the beauty of having a community, right? Is, you yeah. know, they're, the root of what you do in your community is to serve that community. Yep. And that's ultimately what we love doing here on this show is serving the community. And, you know, when it comes to the market and what we're seeing as a whole right now, you know, you and I, we were talking about making some good money over the last 24 months. And we've also been talking about losing some money, you know, <clears throat> in cer- excuse me, in certain areas over the last, you know, six months, 2022 has been, Investments you know, this, have been whew. this pandemic party that people got lulled into. Well, you know, the cops showed up and they shut that shit down. And now the Fed, right, is bleeding off $95 billion off their balance sheet every single month for who knows how long in the foreseeable future. You know, they've said a, they've a long time. I've heard numbers of like, hey, we want to see at least a trillion get off the, the balance sheet in the next 12 months. Who knows whether or not that actually happens? You know, we've seen inflation. CPI numbers are going to come out this week. Yep. And um, the European Central Bank is is probably going to raise interest rates by 50 basis points on Thursday as well, the day before our CPI numbers come out. So that's, that's you know, something to keep an eye out for. No, um, a lot of the times it happens, ap- Ugh, happens, ap- shit. happens opposite where our numbers come out and then, you know, Europe follows and, you know, the trail of the sun, we get our information mm-hmm. then our market closes, Europe opens, Europe's closing, Asia opens, and that's the cycle. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network 
and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. It's going to be very interesting, but like I said, I I am I'm not worried about the interest rate hikes because again, as confused as everybody is by them, they're indicative of hey, we did all this quantitative easing, we did all this printing of money. It's time to stop that and get back to life as it normally is, and we had those free meal tickets back then, but that had to stop, and now we have to kind of pay for that. Yeah, you. The, that's why. I mean, I did a podcast on Friday. Said, you know, the pandemic party. Who's going to pay for that? All of us are. The government paid for it first with our money. With our money, and now We're they are back. sucking it back out of with our money. The American economy. Yeah. Right, and that ultimately has been something that, if you go back and you look at the history of the U.S. economy, this is a cyclical. And now, of course, pandemic was a black swan event, but this is a normal response to the Fed stepping in and propping things up. Yep. And I, I, I think that this is a, I, I keep saying it, like a technical recession. So you don't, you don't the, think in July when the numbers come out, the reports are released, you know, week one, week two, whenever they come out at, it's not going to be... No. Official recession, two quarters of you know. Are you worried about? Well, they could say that it was officially a recession. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but that but like that doesn't mean depression. I think right. people mix up depression and recession quite often. There's correction, recession, depression. Corrections happen more frequently, and which are- we've already seen a few of those. Correct. Um, uh, recessions happen less frequently, but are, are like, but we are statistically have to happen. I was going to say we're, we're due for a recession ultimately, like with what we've seen over the last decade plus, like we're technically since the financial crisis, if we're looking the at financial a financial crisis, wasn't a recession, that's a, a depression. depression. Correct. And so we're looking at a bell curve. Ultimately, like a recession is not unheard of at this stage of the game for no, where people keep saying the thing that like they're like you're saying like we're due we're not due we're already in that's what people have I, that's what i'm saying we're nobody's arguing that a re- technical recession shouldn't be happening and i would tell you that since february q1 it's been happening mm-hmm. i'm just also going to tell you historically I can line that up with midterm election years and see that probably in November or September, the market's going to flip on itself. It happened in the 80s. There was midterm elections in the 80s during high inflation, guys, believe it or not. So we can kind of help ourselves look at data. Now, the thing I was saying to you earlier is we have to be careful because things were way different investing 40 years ago than they are today. Mm -hmm. Inflation being high or not, it was just different. My dad could fucking smoke a cigarette in front of his high school and bring a rifle on the back of his window. So things were just <laughs> different back yeah. then in California. So just things change. But the past isn't indicative, but it does give us a good guide of probably what will happen. I have told a lot of clients, and I've said this in emails to clients and emails that I've blasted out to everybody as a whole. We think there's going to be a grind up through the end of July and beginning in August through Q3, we should see a turn in the market. Should elections go the way that they're projected to go in the midterms? Should data and technicals continue to line up like they are? 
And should inflation continue to soften and the Fed continue to land this one-engine jumbo jet on a, on a foggy runway in the middle of a snowstorm, <laughs> it's possible, just highly, highly... Are there any concerns about, you know, obviously stagflation can be a nation killer, right? Sure. And with some of the data that we've been seeing, are there any concerns that you guys your analysts, your quants are seen in terms of stagflation? I haven't had that word come up, uh, mainly because wage and job growth are, are moderate and moving in a positive direction. And they're not uh, in, you know, where wages are spiking and then we're, we have unemployment spiking at the same time. So people are getting paid a lot because they're trying to keep people on jobs. People are getting paid a little bit more. Um... I think that we read earlier that, and I think this is also correct, that although like maybe there was 20,000 jobs last year at this time and there's only 17,000 this year, that those jobs are still getting filled and they're getting filled at a rate that is acceptable and above par and those people are keeping jobs. And I think what's happening with that is the the middle ground is, all right, inflation is happening, so cost of goods and services are going up, right? People will eventually have to bite the bullet, for lack of a better term, and get a job in order to pay their bills. Um, consumer sentiment is still very high, considering all the inflationary pressures that are happening, especially given that oil, at least today, is trading about $118 a barrel. That's really high. Crazy. But historically, guys... We were here in the early 2000s. Oil was, I think, in the 130, 140 a barrel. So keep that in mind when you go to the gas pump because gas also wasn't $6 a gallon. Why is it $6 a gallon now when oil was more expensive back then? You have to ask yourself that. Yeah, I think the Fed is liking what they're seeing in terms of responses to the levers they're pulling right now, right? This last week, like you said... You know, the U.S. continues to put people back to work, which is obviously good news for economic growth. I know one of our biggest challenges has been like, I can't find a fucking person that wants to work. And that was, you saw help wanted signs everywhere. Well, the last three to four months- They've gone away. I've started to see less and less of those signs. I've been seeing less and less hiring bonus signs. I've been seeing less and less, you know- People saying, oh, I'm just going to continue to milk unemployment and get my da-da-da weekly check or whatever it is. And we have started to see more apps come in for all of the ads I'm running at the hotels. There's, you don't, you're not having to put shit on sale like fire sale, are you? No. No, exactly. That's Absorption, absorption of costs is ex- being accepted by the consumer as a whole in most industries right now. Like literally, oil is the one where it's getting the most pushback. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, because this report said the pace of job growth may be cooling, but employers seem to be attracting people back into the labor force without causing wage growth to accelerate too aggressively, which is good news for those looking to bring down inflation. Yep. This is exactly the kind of balance the Fed Reserve is hoping for as it continues to tighten monetary policy in its efforts to cool inv- inflation from very high levels. Yep. And right, so I think... That's good, right? I mean, we were in such a... It'll be interesting to see how that kind of trickles into many different sectors of the workforce. Yep. Um, you know, construction has been insane. Supply chain issues have been... in. You know, labor has been an issue. You know, and we've seen... Here's, here's something I would say. If you're somebody that's a business owner, you're somebody that sells a specific product, service, or good now is not the time to get greedy. I'm seeing a lot of people, we're seeing it in construction, we're seeing it, I'll just say in hotels. People are getting greedy. They're pushing the limits of, hey, if I have to pay my people more, then I gotta gotta bump this product or service up way more in order for it to still make sense for me. But if you- You have to squeeze margins for a bit. If you erode the trust and you erode the loyalty- and you erode the relationships that people have to you, your product, your service, your brand, that could be something you don't come back from versus if you are to play the long-term game again and say, I got to meet the market where it's at. 
And maybe I have to work a little bit harder over the next 24 or 36 months. Maybe I have to bring more value to my customers and make a little less profit. But I'm playing the long-term game here. Don't get greedy because ultimately people remember that and they know who took advantage of them. They know who gouged them. They know who ultimately, you know, tried to pull the wool over their eyes. And that could be something that's way more catastrophic than you making a little less ROI on your dollar, your time invested into what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, I, I love it when, when uh, entrepreneurs give me the how dare I make less money because I've been making more money. Uh, <laughs> um, the um, I know a winery owner in Napa that set up really big contracts with some pretty good vineyards back in the fire, right before the fires happened back, uh, was that 2020, right? Big fires, 2019, mm-hmm. yeah. And those growers, when they contacted him for the contracts, were like, hey, you know, it's all, you know, the fruits, most of it, if not all of it's tainted, so we understand. He said, oh no, I'm going to hold my contract because I want this contract. So I will purchase all that fruit at full price and I'll take a massive loss because I'm going to be a man of my word and I'm going to buy this fruit off of you even though I know I can't use it because then you'll know that if I come to do business with you, that you, you can trust in what I'm going to say and we can, we can build this relationship. Because he did that, he's launched a whole other wine uh, brand. Margins have gone up exponentially and that allowed him to grow his contacts in the grower region. Now he's buying all the fruit he was buying prior even cheaper. So it's, it's again, it's doing the hard thing in the short term to get the long-term results. And I don't know how many times we got to beat that dead horse, but that's literally can be a big secret to a lot of uh, y'all's problems is finding the harder way to do it and committing to that until you get it done the right way. So what do you think is going to happen over the course of the next six months. We've seen tech started to rebound a little bit. Treasuries are dipping a tiny bit. I'll need some more technicals. You know, obviously it feels good to see your accounts go up one day or two days or three days or one week, but I need the uh, technical data to kind of line up better than it is. Right now, like I said, it's pointing towards uh, Q3, Q4 for the, for our near ter- nearest term where we could see some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, that being said, you make money in a in a bull market, and you 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 make wealth in a in a bear market, and that's that's what you're supposed to do in these times. These bear markets, you're supposed to be buying and buying and buying. What do I see for people that are doing that? A lot of money in the next two to three years. What do I see as far as for the short term, the next thirty days? I don't think the market's going to continue to recover. Um, I think it's going to be choppy. I think we're going to get weeks like we had last week followed by weeks like we might have this week, followed by weeks like we might have had last week. Mm. Um, and that's contraction in the market, where the market is essentially going sideways, but yep. up and down, but sideways. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's still, there's so much opportunity to purchase um, really high quality assets that are beaten up, that are not, should not be, have quality balance sheets. Are Any, any that come to mind, obviously not financial advice, but any that seem to stand out that you think, hey, this doesn't make sense. They've got good financials, good balance sheets, good earnings, but they're just getting... Everybody knows I love my Twilio. Um, and I've I've owned that for a while now. Um, I think uh, any, any sort of commodity strategy, like through a, broad mar- through a broad-based ETF approach or a mutual fund is not a terrible idea. Um, I know that... Right now, there's a lot. It just depends. It really depends. There's not a whole lot of bad names in, in, the, in the quality. I mean, if you went out and bought a share of you know, any mega cap, large cap growth company that's a component of the S&P 500 or even the Dow, I mean, you're going you're gonna to for sure double your money. I, I, well, not for sure. You're highly likely to double your money in the next two to three years while getting paid yield. Um, that's really good to do. I don't think, I think it's getting to that point with, with everything where it's like, all right, well, things are so low. Tina still exists. There is no alternative. You have to go somewhere. Can't go to fixed income. Real estate's expensive now. Where do we go? 
You can get ownership through a, into a company that'll pay you a yield for pretty cheap right now. It's a discounting mechanism. Do I really think that, there's, that this company's not going to be making money in two to three years when they're down 30, 40, 50%? That's the questions that big institutions and hedge funds are starting to have to ask themselves. And that's why they're starting to move money off the table. And I, I was talking to uh, Phil this morning and I was like, I see a lot of options activity last week. And I think that's why there was a lot of red activity in the market. And here we are earlier in the week and you see the market responding to that. I mean, you have companies like DD Global up 60% today. Um, That's nuts. Uh, It's a Chinese tech company. So I see choppiness. I see the same conditions that we've been in for for the current time. But each day we're closer to the end than we are the beginning. Mm. So I think we're towards the back half, not towards the front half anymore. And that should be indicative to anybody that's on the sidelines or doesn't want to look at yourself in 12 months and say, damn it, I wish I would have pulled the trigger. Um, that's, this, is, this is the time to get in and start doing your, your buying because it is a wonderful time to buy quality. So that's what I see. I see people getting, I see a lot of people getting rich for being patient. I like that. I think as you were saying, we're kind of towards the back half for yep. stocks. I think we're towards the first half for real estate and things starting to settle down a little bit. And, you know, we're still continuing to see, well, this Wednesday we'll see uh, Mortgage Bankers Association is going to come out with, uh, you know, mortgage apps. And obviously we're predicting a moderate decline. We're going to see... Um, days on market continue to trend upwards. Housing inventory is up 13.9% year over year. It's up 56% since March. Again, nothing alarming being that we were at such low levels and still are at such low levels. But we're just seeing inflation do what inflation does, right? We're also seeing what interest rate hikes do what interest rate hikes do. And that is to curb and slow demand. And ultimately, it had to happen. It still needs to happen. There's still a lot. We're seeing rent prices also start to come down a tiny, tiny bit. Skyrocketing in mobile homes right now. I don't know what that, I don't know where that metric sits in the data pool. Well, I think if anything- one thing that where we got rent went up by like 35% in mobile homes. Well, I would think at least- what my initial reaction to that is, if you're talking about the lowest tier of accessible housing, yeah. that is going to probably have the highest demand in a market that has the least affordability, right? I think People are going to go to wherever it is most affordable. And if that means it's a mobile home park, and honestly, a lot of these mobile home parks are becoming pretty dang nice now. Double you know, wide. They're, they're not the piece of shit type of double wide trailers that you you know saw in 8 Mile and Eminem. Oh, like oh these God. have nice lodges and nice facilities now. And a lot of these new mobile home parks have gotten facelifts and or are just brand new developments that are quote unquote a mobile home park. But they're really just... You mean you're starting to see big companies that are 3D printing houses or they're being manufactured, dropped on site, and you're getting granite countertops and a two-bedroom, 1,300-square-foot, two-bath, you know, brand-new house with LVP flooring and, well, it's quote-unquote in a mobile home park, but these are, I think, the, the trends that we're seeing now is technology is really changing the landscape of a lot of asset classes across the board. And so I do think, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this a little bit as well. Um, and just to wrap up on, on the real estate side, I think, guys, there's, there's no new tune that we're going to be singing here for quite some time. We know what inflation and we know what a rising interest rate market does to real estate. And so seeing pockets of opportunity those will be the areas that you might be able to position yourselves to dollar cost average your way through a potentially cooling market. But if you're buying real estate long-term, you know, like I was talking to one of our investors the other day and he's like, well, are you going to stop buying hotels? And I'm like, no, like, why would I do that? You know, well, what if you're paying 
market price in a declining market. And I said, okay. The fool's errand. I, I, I will continue to buy quality assets and quality locations with quality economic growth, yep. with quality assets and operating models that tie into what we're doing in our business model. And I'll buy, I'm sure, some that were considered, quote unquote, at the peak. And I'm sure I'll buy some on the way down and I'll buy some at the complete bottom of the market in hindsight. All of them will make But when I do that and over the course of 30 or 40 years, it doesn't really matter because all of those ultimately, one, are going to balance each other out. Two, if they're quality cash flowing assets and they're paying for themselves, I'm still getting a quality return on those things. And at the end of the day, over the course of that timeline, where I started and where I end up, it's going to be way higher. So it doesn't really matter to me. If I try and time the market and catch a falling knife, well, <clears throat> like you said, that's... It's fool's errand. The fool's errand. Most so, people try are so worried about hitting a home run, they forget about the other three bases before it. Yeah. And I don't know why. It's like, there's a leadoff batter enough and a cleanup hitter for a reason. They want to get those other three guys on base and then hit a home run. Well, that goes back to doing the simple things over and over again. Yeah. I'm not trying to do anything crazy or sexy. And guess what? By being in the game and consistently building relationships with people over and over and over again, like I say, I'm a farmer of relationships. I am constantly rototilling dirt every day and planting new seeds and watering those seeds and circling back to my crops and tending to my crops over an extended period of time until all of a sudden they start bearing fruit. And sometimes there's very juicy, ripe, low-hanging fruit that just happens to be there because I happen to be the one farming the fields every day. Yep. And if you're one of those people that is just looking to not put in any of the work and get those juicy, ripe, low-hanging fruit, it's not going to happen. But if you do those things consistently over an extended period of time, over and over and over again, just by being in the game, right? The man in the arena. The man in the arena gets his ass kicked a lot of the times, but it's also the man in the arena that gets to capture massive upside in areas and opportunities that spectators never will because they're sitting on the sidelines. And so I think for anyone that's looking to buy quality real estate assets, getting clear on what your criteria is, what your market is, what relationships do you need to be building, and how are you going to consistently do that over and over and over again? And maybe you get base hit and a base hit and a base hit and a base hit, but, but by being in the game every once in a while, usually for me, it's about once a year, I'll find a home run or I'll find a double. And it's crazy. Like last year, you know, I bought a medical plaza. I just got, um, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're getting close to our Q2 report, but bought a medical plaza that was a value add. And we have a hospital in there. We have a pharmacy. And now I just signed a lease on a dermatology group. It's a three-tenant, triple-net medical plaza out in Kansas. And... Talk about the foggy boy? No, that's that's a different, oh, one. different one. Yeah, it's a different one. And this one, um, I just got my June report and I was like, oh, this one could be like a pretty good double, you know, just because I've been in the game. I've been looking at deals. It's a numbers game, right? And looked at the financials and we're already at like 70,000 net on this one asset. I've done literally nothing except lock in good leases with quality tenants, give it a facelift, value at it, demand market rents. We finally got this third tenant in. That one will probably net me $180,000 for doing nothing. Boom. If I can do one of those a year, You'll be fine. my goal is if I can find one commercial asset a year in a good, bad, stale market that drops $50,000 a year in net profit to the bottom line, and I do that for the next 10 years, that's $500,000 a year in passive income. Yes. AKA $41,500 a month. I don't need to hit a home run every time. I just need to be in the game that gives me the ability to find an asset that drops $50,000 a year in net profit, right? And so I think being in the game, especially in times like right now, even though it might feel too frothy or that you're catching something on the way down, it doesn't matter if you have a clear criteria and buy box and know how to operate and know how to get those types of opportunities and those are going to be the things that I think ultimately you thank yourself. Thank God I didn't ride the highs and lows of the market. I rode my strategy to yep. the end. 
Oh, sorry. Are you on there? Did that yes. bore you? <laughs> no, no. Yes, that was a hundred percent. I couldn't say it the better way. It's you said it before. We'll say it again. You got to have a plan, a process. You have to stick to it, and it has to be done when it's good and easy, and it has to be done when it's hard and not fun. So. If you want to know more about passive investment opportunities, you want to learn what kind of syndications or you know investments we're getting ourselves into, um, you can text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555, get on my deals list. If you want to really have someone dig into your investment portfolio and understand how you're allocated, what fees you're being charged, and making sure that that strategy and those goals are aligned with the long-term game that you're playing. Then text the word X-Ray to 844-447-1555. Ryan and his team will reach out to you. As we wrap up this week's episode, I want to know a little bit more about what is your mindset for, because, you know, 30 to 40 for a lot of people is a great income earning goes up, you know, compound effect starts to kick in from however long prior to those years you've been investing and doing what you've been doing. What do you expect and what do you want to do over the course of your 30s by the time you're 40? I got to get a couple more offices opened up. My brother will have, unless he's in pro baseball, which is highly unlikely, even though I think he's amazing. Um, he'll have come into the business. I got to train him. We'll have a lot of the business will be maybe in the near the 20 plus billion dollar mark uh, by that time. So time will tell. I'll have, I'll have a winery um, on a full ownership in a winery. Um, not just having the company have partial ownership and, uh, I think that's the exciting stuff moving forward. I don't see anything going back. I've told myself every year that I'll just do the same thing, give myself a raise. I'm going to give myself a raise this year. I hope everybody else can say the same, especially with inflation. I hope it's more than 8%. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be a good good time 30 to 40. I think what I'm going to focus on is how I can get myself set up to hit my goals, which is to have an earlier than normal uh, retirement, but also maintain a uh, pretty large business. So we're uh, we're hitting the we're within fifteen to twenty years of that. So I love it. Well, we appreciate and love each and every one of you guys for tuning in each and every week, listening. If you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button. If you haven't left us a review in iTunes, it would mean the world to us if you leave a review in iTunes. Please how do. we continue to share and spread the message with more people that are looking to fine tune their financial plan, continue to sharpen the ax on their wealth building journey, and just to be connected with more amazing people. So subscribe, be sure to leave a review. Don't forget to hit us up at 844-447-1555-X-Ray for a free financial X-Ray on your investment portfolio deals. If you want to get on my syndication and passive investment opportunities list. And with that being said, we shall see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you wanna surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals 
Be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.